0: From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are The Ross Files. With us this morning is the friendliest bus driver in Seattle. What is your exact title,
1: Nathan? You know, thanks for asking that, Dave. It's a great opportunity to clarify. Um, First of all, great to be here. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to live down the stranger article that's titled The Nicest Guy in Seattle. Yeah. I'm definitely not the nicest guy. I hope I'm one of the nicer guys. But, you know, I steal from the wonderful folks that I work with and am around. And any wonderful qualities that I have as an operator come from them.
0: So Nathan, Nathan Voss, by the way, is uh, one of the drivers on Metro's Route 7 run, which uh, works Rainier Avenue. And, and you have, you worked, uh, I guess, this morning or last night. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. You, you like the night shift. I love the and, night and you, How many years have you worked the night shift on the bus?
1: It's been, uh, I started driving the 7 in 2009. I've been working 12 years as a driver, and night shift has been my go-to since 2014. And you were
0: just a big bus fan growing up? Because um, I was trying to figure out, yeah. you, you are now a published author. Your latest book is called uh, The Lines That Make Us, and I was trying to figure out which came first. The writing right. or the bus? So you began as just a transit fan then?
1: Uh, you know, uh, my uh, background is in art. My uh-huh. My parents are both painters and uh, literature, art, music. The, uh, these were really big deals at home. And uh, that led to an interest in uh, people and human nature and so on. And uh, the bus, of course, is a perfect repository. So you but, figured
0: uh, what better place to get to meet yeah. all sorts of strangers, because right. they're strangers, right?
1: Yeah, and uh, finding common ground with these folks, uh, it's super satisfying. Mm. It means a lot, yeah.
0: Now, um, you have you have a blog, and I was reading the part where you have uh, pro tips for bus drivers. And, and one yeah. of the things that you encounter on a run like this are people who are not having a good day and want to take it out on you or on somebody else on the bus. And I thought that some of your tips were... Uh, Remarkable.
1: Thanks, Dave. For,
0: okay. So for one thing, do not collect fare. Mm-hmm. So if, no, uh, I assume this is not applied to everybody, but in other words, somebody doesn't have the fare, you don't make a big deal about it.
1: Yeah, and I want to stress that those are my words, not Metro. I know that. but <laughs> Because I'm,
0: Metro's have, there's
1: a controversy about the number they, of people who don't have the They have an obligation fare. to get some revenue there. But yeah. in terms of uh, thinking about security... So many of these moments can be defused by not demanding money from people. And bus drivers are sort of unique in that we're one of the few groups, I would say perhaps one of the only groups of people uh, who are working in a social justice capacity who have no training in social justice or social services. And uh, it's a bit of an oversight there, and perhaps it'll be addressed.
0: Yeah, I mean it makes sense because of course the the cost of settling a a dispute that gets out of hand is much more than you're going to extremely expensive in the fair, but you don't want that to become a habit. Uh, Maybe there's an option that those of us who appreciate what you do could pay twice. What a great idea! You know,
1: I I I love getting paid with food, which happens uh, sometimes. You know, or um, gosh, tokens for free pizza, which I got recently. Happy to accept that. Now,
0: when you when you encounter somebody, now you know it's said in the article. You know literally hundreds of people by name. Is that accurate? That is so, accurate. So you can, because you've done the run for so long. And so how do you concentrate on driving the bus while conversing with uh, strangers and trying to make a connection there? Because that's that's what's important to you, right?
1: Great question. I'm glad you asked. Well, you know, both are important to me. I, I, I do want to avoid crashing the bus. Yes, But it's sort of um, when, when you get to doing two tasks at once for long enough. It's like eating and reading. You're doing two things, only one of which is intellectually demanding, and eventually over enough time it becomes incredibly easy to have the muscle habit of multitasking those two things. And if you imagine yourself driving your car and talking to someone in the passenger seat every day for eight hours on end, right. eventually it's going to be a piece of cake.
0: Right. Is this is a mission for you, or is it just, you know... You're who you are. Just something that comes naturally to you. Uh, Because this is an era where we don't talk to strength. You know what I mean? As a matter of fact, I think think you said that um, the cell phone is like the new car. It's the place where you find refuge from the world.
1: Dave, you've done your research. Yeah, totally. Um, And I feel slightly too old to be uh, part of the millennial category, but I suppose I am. Mm -hmm. And you're right. There's a lot of sort of uh, alienation as a result of communications technology, and I really try to rail against that and, and search for the human connection because it makes me feel good. Uh, it's less a desire to instigate social change than to just try to do things one person at a time, and I've noticed that here in Seattle, it sort of has to be you who reaches out uh, to start right. that interaction, but people are usually very receptive.
0: So is, is that, do you, do you feel that if you do this often enough pretty soon, it will touch a, a critical mass of lives so that the Seattle freeze will disappear or, or something on that scale? That
1: would be nice. I don't think I could take credit for it. That'd be the, all, all the other wonderful people who are doing something. Yeah. Um, but that'd be lovely. I'd love to see the freeze die down. And it's kind of odd that it continues to persist because so many people here in Seattle are actually from somewhere else. Right. Why does the freeze continue?
0: Yeah. The yeah. other thing that I thought was interesting in, in terms of your tips, your pro tips for drivers, was take a vote. So when there's a disagreement on the bus, <laughs> you stop the bus and you essentially say, okay, who wants to continue the ride uh, You know, and who wants to just uh, have me call this in? Well, and-
1: yeah, Dave, it's a great question because it becomes an issue at nighttime. Let's say you, um, you've got a bunch of people on your bus who are trying to make connections to what might be the last bus of the evening. Yeah. If they want the last bus to Kent, because they're trying to get home they might be willing to tolerate somebody yelling in the back of the bus for 20 minutes so they can make it home or maybe they're tired of listening to this guy yell and they they're not about to miss their last bus and there there's different priorities there and sometimes i want the passengers to decide cuz i'm getting paid it doesn't it doesn't bother me as much <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So you, and how's that turned out? What do the passengers usually do when that comes up? You know, what it often ends up doing is it encourages the passengers themselves to join me in taking action against the person. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll go out of their own way and take their initiative uh, to remove the person from the bus without me having to call really? it at all. And on the seven, there's um, uh, a lot of working class and low income communities have a stronger sense of. Uh, community, because right. folks need to rely on each other more in environments that are might be described as less safe. Uh, you sort of have to reach out and uh, look out for each other. Yeah,
0: I've never been on a bus where a, bus where a vote was taken, but I can imagine that, that just the act it doesn't of doesn't happen very often. No, I would hope not. Yeah. but uh, I can I can imagine just the act of doing that at least reassures the the passengers that the
1: majority of them. Are on the side of keeping the peace, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And and security issues like this don't tend to happen too often if you're putting out a good attitude. That seems to be so much the uh, way to prevent these things from happening.
0: Well, I know that's the, that's another part of your philosophy is that respect is contagious, and so you you put it out there, and you yeah, and, and you get it back. So what so what do you um. Do you come by this naturally or you know, did you study psychology? I mean, and what have you learned by all these encounters
1: with people? Gosh, the whole interview could be me answering those three questions. Yeah. Um, I have learned that uh, people have a lot more in common than they don't. There is so much common ground that you can find with folks. You can always find something you agree on, whether it's uh, sports or growing up or life or the fact that you know we all hate bed bugs or you know there's there's, there's something to laugh about. Yes, we do. Um, and uh, I find that reassuring. People are mostly pretty wonderful, and if you put out good energy, you're going to get it back. And does that work every single time? No, but the thing is, nothing works every single time. There's no one script that works for every situation. But it's still worth it to uh, put out those good vibes. And something I've gotten out of that is, if I didn't do that, I don't think I would know uh, how much, uh, it sounds corny, but, but, but how much goodness there is out there. Because I wouldn't be inviting it. If I was you know being stern or yelling at people or assuming the worst, if I assume the best i'm su- i continually get surprised by these wonderful moments of "Oh wow, that guy was telling the truth, or this guy really is uh, in a position where he'd benefit from help, et etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: I think the advantage you have is that you get a chance to practice this i I think a yeah. lot of us would like to be able to to uh be comfortable meeting a stranger or just passing uh-huh. someone on the street and starting up a conversation. But, you know, you're not in a natural situation where you can do it on a daily basis and get used to the rhythm of that kind of conversation. I'm very lucky.
1: Yeah. And for me, the bus is sort of a, a safe venue for yeah. me to actively engage with people because although it doesn't happen off the time all the time, it's not at all surprising that the bus driver would greet you, a stranger. And that's a little more complicated to do if you're a stranger on the sidewalk or on the bus encountering another stranger. But I think we can all find environments such as coffee shops or grocery stores where it feels safe to engage with the cashier or somebody in line. And um, really exciting things can uh, result from that. And I don't mean um, making new friends or meeting new people, but just having friendly encounters with someone you're never going to see again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I walked the last, I don't know, Quarter mile to work, uh, early, really early in the morning, and uh-huh. if somebody wants to strike up a conversation with me, I usually figure it's going to lead to uh, an ask for money. Right? So, yeah. So I hesitate. So I that's guess fair in a way. Since you charge yeah. fair, it's the same with your conversations, but then not you know not quite. It's
1: same. a little different. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. On the street, I'll find myself saying, you know, I don't have money, but walk with me, and I'll talk. Yeah, to Yeah, we can talk. Yeah, that's
0: a good approach. Uh, okay, I don't have money, but I will talk with you.
1: Oftentimes on the bus, people just want to air their concerns, and and people like being heard. They like being respected. Yeah, it seems to go a long
0: way. Yeah. So how how about it when you're when you're not in the bus? when You're not in the role yeah. of a yeah. bus
1: driver, yeah. you're not wearing that that very
0: crisp King County well, Metro shirt you, that you're wearing. Um, <laughs> Doing you know, my best. And just walking down the street. I mean, do you do you do you behave the same way?
1: I think I've got an unfair advantage because so many people recognize my face. Yeah. Um, if I'm walking up Third Avenue. Uh, I think that's a different experience for me than it might be for someone who hasn't had a lot of exposure to those folks. I can stroll through 3rd and Pike or 3rd and James and feel very comfortable because half of these guys know me. Um, If I'm in another city, then perhaps it's a closer uh, corollary to what most of us experience. And, yeah, I'll sort of – I might err overly on the side of being cautious or being safe um, and not engaging. but I. I try, you know, I'm not the best at it. This is why I'm not the nicest guy in Seattle. I attempt to make the um, eye contact and say hello. I wish I was one of those people who's brave enough to do that every single instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes I don't. you know sometimes you want to withdraw and be with your own thoughts and gosh, that's totally okay. Yeah. nothing wrong with that.
0: So I think it's only natural to ask you mm-hmm. okay, what would you do about the uh, homeless crisis in Seattle? and do you think it is a crisis?
1: Well, I think about how Third and Pike, for example, looks to tourists yeah. because you know they uh, get off the light rail and they want to go to Pike Place Market, and that requires walking through Third and Pike, and I it it just it doesn't look good, Dave. It looks like the city endorses these behaviors, and I talk to Seattle police, and they talk about how they're woefully understaffed. It's difficult to hire for that position. Uh, no surprise there. But I, hopefully by now we all know that the homeless crisis is, uh, can be called the mental health crisis without too much deviation from the truth. And uh, there's a lot of untreated mental health there. When, when we think about homelessness now, that word doesn't conjure up uh, a couple guys from Ohio who are working at a labor place trying to get a job. That's reasonable, and it makes sense to us. What we think of are somebody down at 3rd and James who's— going to the bathroom in broad daylight, that's a mental health concern. And I'm not in a position of power to affect change there. Uh, other people are. And I don't want to be one of those people who, you know, sitting here with the answers to everything, sort of... No, that, uh, would, that wouldn't be yeah, fair, but, yeah. but
0: we... I interview it's a lot of people who have yeah. studied the problem yeah. by collecting data and doing counts and stuff like that. But you actually—I mean—you live it. I mean, it's, it's yeah, part I'm of out your there.
1: Job. And I'll talk to some of the guys, and I'll be like, you know, what what's different between now and two years ago, five mm-hmm. years ago? And they'll say, "Gosh, we don't know." Because we've been homeless for a long time, but we don't understand these new people coming in really? or the things they're doing. It freaks us out. And when you've got homeless guys talking about the other homeless guys <laughs> and it's scaring them, yeah. you, know, you know you've got a situation. Um, it's kind of tough for a bus driver because we see all this stuff with absolutely no context. Yeah. I just have to trust that there's a narrative that led to whatever's going on in front of me. And because I'm not in a position of power to affect change, I've just got to do the little thing that I can do, which is make somebody feel human for five minutes, make them feel respected for five minutes. If I can make someone feel better for just a little bit, uh, that can be inspiring to them. It, it, it can make them feel uh, safe or heard. And one of my favorite things about this job is I'll see somebody, you know, they'll be sleeping on my bus or something, for a few months, and then I won't see him for half a year, or a couple of years. And sometimes you wonder, well, did that person die? Did they pass away? And sometimes you learn that that's in fact the case. Mm-hmm. Other times, they'll materialize out of nowhere two years later with clean clothes, and they'll say, I've got an apartment and a job now, and the reason I've got an apartment and a job is because you let me sleep on the bus. And you are kind to me, and that's inspiring. And the thing I notice every time is it's so important for them to tell you, the bus driver, that because you knew them when they were at their worst. And, and, and they want to prove to you, who actually knew them during that period, that, okay, they had the ability to rise out of that situation, which, of course, is not easy. Seriously. Yeah.
0: So actually letting someone just sleep on the bus and not kicking them off could change somebody's life
1: could change someone's life. And I still have to ask for the bus to be empty at the terminal because I might want some alone time. But when I'm in service, you know, this bus belongs to the people. It's not my bus. And I try to remind myself of that. And yeah. So is this your career? Uh, you know, I was just doing a book talk up at third place books not long ago. A really nice guy asked me that. And uh, someone needs to do a documentary about artists who have day jobs It's a perfect balance to find a job that pays well, that allows you to live out your other passion, art, Mm -hmm. uh, with no artistic compromise. I'm so grateful to be in the position I can be in where I can do my film work and photography work. Uh, with total artistic control. Gosh, I just feel like I'm retired already. Really? And and uh, they're letting me come in and drive this thing and have conversations for eight hours. Dave, it's fantastic. Mm. I'm crossing my fingers every day. Hmm. Yeah. So
0: so have you, have you thought about taking the next step? I mean, since you have a talent for de-escalation, you ever thought of becoming a cop?
1: You know, I have. And I don't think I will because I'm too nice. I never <laughs> arrest anybody.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, but... <laughs> Hey, now being a cop is not not about arresting people. I think cops would tell you this. It's about creating security, which doesn't
1: always require arresting people. Well, the great thing about being a bus driver is you get to be this wonderful, uh, neutral figure. Technically, yes, you're kind of an authority figure but you can't really do anything. And that makes you just one of the working stiffs yeah. that sort of positions you more on the side of the folks rather sure. than in opposition to them. And I think if I was a cop, I would uh, have the extra labor of having to overcome that uh, boundary line there. Yeah. So tell me about the other part of your life,
0: then the artistic part, the photography. Do you have, you, do you have any uh, exhibits coming up? And, and, what, and what subjects do
1: you prefer? I uh, if as long as I'm shooting on film, I'm extremely happy. You're doing film still. I, I only shoot on really? film. It's my favorite. You I develop love... your own stuff. And... I do, except when I'm lazy. Um, and and uh, so, uh, sometimes. Where I'll do you find? Them. Are there still labs that do that? Yeah, it's pretty easy to get negatives, but it's hard to find dark rooms. Yeah, uh, there's still a couple in the city. But uh, that's enormously satisfying. So is filmmaking, which is also my training. Just finished up a short film. And, of course, the book. The book and the blog, uh, which which are both about my experiences on the bus, are enormously satisfying to share. And we've got uh, the uh, title you mentioned earlier, The Lines That Make Us, which has been a bestseller here in Seattle for an entire year. Can
0: you handle your star status and still, you know, concentrate on the route?
1: That is what I'm trying to figure out how to do now. It's a challenge, you know.
0: Because I imagine people deliberately stay up all night just to ride your bus. Um,
1: Maybe, but also, you know, the draw of actually going home and doing your own thing <laughs> must be large, and I'm thankful I don't have people following me around everywhere. <laughs> um, But uh, yeah, it's a challenge to balance all this stuff. the The art, the writing, the filmmaking, the fact that I'm working 40 hours— Uh, it's all stuff I love, but, uh, this whole artist with a day job thing is a real challenge. You, um, uh, you wish you had a, you know, a bunch of interns or assistants or something to handle the amount of legwork that comes with this. Yeah.
0: Well, if you do develop a posse, there's plenty of seats on the bus. Indeed. (laughs) A lot of room.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nathan, good luck. And thanks for coming in. Dave, a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much.
0: Nathan Voss, the nicest person in Seattle. Oh, gosh and you can <laughs> and you can find them on the number 7 bus between what is it 6 and 1 a.m.
1: Uh usually I I uh I like 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. or Five maybe 4 to, to midnight. It's not true night work. I'm not I'm not awesome enough to do the graveyard shift. That's for folks better than myself, but, you know. I'll roll around till about 1. And please pay the fare. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Thank you.
0: Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News? You can say, not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe. And then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in.